going to share with you a message that I believe the Lord's put on my heart for the new year. You know, every new year, I seek the Lord for a word for the coming year. Because I believe we ought to be walking by faith and not by sight. And we ought to be walking by promises and not circumstances. And so I asked God for a word. And he took me to a story in the Bible that you don't hear a whole lot about. But let's uh, look at it. It is in 2 Kings 13. story of one of my favorite Old Testament people, Elisha. And I'm going to share with you on three arrows and a king. Three arrows and a king. And while we're getting ready to read that, let me remind you that we will not be here Wednesday. If you come to church on Wednesday, God bless you. Walk around the building seven times and go home. Because we will not be here. It'll be New Year's. Nobody would be here anyway. So, um, and we're not going to be having a New Year's service. So find a good place to go. And uh, our prayers are with you. And then the next week, I'm going to finish up the next Wednesday on the message of the milk and meat of the Word. Then on the 14th of January, I'm starting a series on Wednesday night on what the Bible says about sex. I wish I had a video of y'all's faces when I say that. We're going to be talking about sex because the Bible talks about sex. Did you know the Bible is full of talk about sex? Most of you are here because of it. And those of you who aren't, I have an invitation at the end of the service just for you. So I'm going to take about four weeks. I'm going to talk about what the Bible talks about when it comes to the subject of sex. You want to hear this, I promise you, because our culture is lying to Christians about it. I mean big time. So I'm going to go over words that you've probably never heard, concupiscence, licentiousness, lasciviousness, all kinds of million-dollar words. And we're going to talk about what the Bible says about it. And I'm going to, listen, you need to pray for me because I'm going to be tackling it head-on, and it's going to be good, really good. All right? Okay, let's read now. Now, Elisha was suffering from the illness from which he died. Joash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. And Joash said this, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. I guess I'm switching it. There we go. And Elisha acted like he didn't even hear him. And he said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did so. And he said, take the bow in your hands. And he said to the king of Israel, when he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. He said, open the east window. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot the arrow. And then when he shot the arrow, he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared, you will completely destroy the Syrians at Aphek. Now that's a powerful word. He gave Joash a word from God. Then it goes on. Then he said, take the arrows and the king took them. Elisha told him, now strike the ground. He struck it three times, and he stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Syria and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. 
Now catch this story, it's powerful. Now I'm jumping to the end of the chapter, and I want to show you what the prophet prophesied happened. Look at what happened at the end of the chapter. It says, after Elisha's death, then Joash recaptured from Ben-Hadad the towns that had been taken from his father, Jehoahaz. Joash defeated Ben-Hadad on three occasions, and he recovered the Israelite towns, but he didn't recover everything. Father, thank you for your word today. Bless it to our hearts and give us a word for 2009. Speak to our hearts a word of faith, a challenge from the Holy Spirit that we may live by faith in 09, not by circumstances, not by our own feelings, but by the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you better perk up and listen. You're going to need this this year. Now, this is a great story. I love these Old Testament stories. And this story begins with the death of Elisha. Elisha, of course, was the protege of Elijah. And they are the dynamic, prophetic duo of the Old Testament. I love reading about them. Elijah mentored Elisha. Elisha ended up doing twice as many miracles as Elijah, one of them after he was dead, just like he had asked Elijah for. He said, I want a double portion of your spirit, and he got it. So Elisha now is ending what looks like to me about a 50-year prophetic ministry. He's been in the ministry a long time, and he's done incredible things, and he has been a mainstay for the land of Israel. He has been the main prophet during those 50 years. But now he's sick. It says in the Bible, with the sickness wherewith he would die. You know, even men of faith and men of miracles eventually one day die. They get something. They get heart disease. They get something, and they die. Now, this great man became sick like so many others who he had healed in the Bible. And the Bible says this time it was his home call. And so, He is now performing one last thing. He's bringing a word to a backslidden king. On hearing of Elisha's grave illness, the Bible says, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face. Joash is moved over the death of this great man. Now, this reaction of Joash seems surprising, especially if you know what his background was. The Bible tells us about Joash's reign that he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And he followed the sin of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, which made Israel to sin. This was not a strong man of God weeping over Elisha. The Bible reveals that King Joash had not been a worshiper of false gods, but a false worshiper of the true God. And I believe there's people like that in our churches all over America. They give God lip service, but they don't really know him. And, it, and God never had Joash's heart. He never really worshipped him. He was backslidden. He had walked away from God. Yet even this backslidden man, think about it, feared what Elisha's departure would mean for the land of Israel. He didn't walk with Elisha's God, but he believed in Elisha's God, and he believed in Elisha's power with God. And he was afraid of what it would mean. Now that this great man is dying, 
the condition that it would leave Israel in. And so he says to him, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel. And what he was saying there is, I remember when your mentor was taken up into heaven by the power of God in chariots of fire. And you, Elisha, you said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And now I'm repeating it to you. And his statement is full of pathos because he knows that as Elijah went, now Elisha's time is to go. And, you know, Charles Spurgeon said this once, and I really believe it. He said, dear friends, let us seek so to live that even ungodly men may miss us when we are gone. Here's an ungodly man hating to see this prophet of God die. But as if Elisha had not even heard his statement, he turns to him and he makes a very strange request. He said, grab a bow and grab some arrows. I want to show you something. So Joash, this backslidden king, he he grabs a bow, grabs some arrows, and he stands up and he says, what now? He says to him, look out the east window towards the Syrians. And so he looked out the east window and he said, now take an arrow and shoot it. So he pulled back on that bow and let an arrow fly east towards the Syrian encampment. And then he said something to him. He said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, you will completely destroy the Syrians, your enemies. You're going to destroy them, Joash. I'm leaving, but God's not leaving. I'm going to heaven. But God can still be with you. Now, why would he tell him to shoot an arrow? Well, just for the record, it was an ancient custom to shoot an arrow or cast a spear into the country which an army intended to invade. The dart, a spear, or an arrow thrown was an emblem of the commencement of hostilities. So Elisha understood this action, but there was also something else behind it. He was teaching Joash something that you and I need to know today. He said, I want you to know that if you move by faith, Joash, God is going to give you your enemies. Now, I'm bringing a word to you today. You, wherever you are, in your own life, financially, relationally, in your marriage, whatever enemy is coming against you, whatever enemy is attacking your house, whatever enemy is attacking your body, whatever enemy is attacking your money, I've got a word here from God. We need to catch what happened with Joash. He shot the arrow, and what was taking place was, Elisha was telling him, the enemy is yours if you move by faith, but you must strike the Syrians at Aphek. You're going to have to attack them, Joash, but I'm telling you, as you shot this arrow, you also operated by faith, and I'm telling you by the word of the Lord, God is going to give you your enemies And I want to tell you today, whatever the enemy has stolen from you, I believe that God can give it back to you by faith. He said, but you're going to have to move. You're going to have to act. You're going to have to move out on the word of God and do it. And you know, when God gives you a must, you must not fail to do it. You can hear this word today and not do it. Or you can hear this word today and act on it. 
And it's when you act on the word that God moves on your behalf. And I don't know about you, but in 2009, I am looking for almighty God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world. I'm looking for that God to show himself mighty, show himself strong, defeat the enemy, and show us a great miracle and sign from heaven this year. But say with me, when God gives you a must... Let's try again. When God gives you a must, you must not fail to do it. Paul said, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel because God has told me to do it. Now, here's the summary. Elisha was telling Joash that there was a connection between the shooting of the arrow towards the east and a successful military strike against the Syrians that would bring deliverance to Israel. He was telling him, there's a connection, Joash. I gave you a word, you did it. There is a connection between those arrows and your victory over Syria. If you act in faith, Joash, here's my word to you. You will utterly destroy the enemy that has oppressed you all these years. But next, the wily old prophet of God decided to test his student. He said, now I want you to take the arrows that are left in your quiver, and I want you to shoot arrows into the ground. Now, your Bible says strike the ground with them, but every commentator I've read said he was not telling him to take a bundle of arrows in his hand and beat them against the ground. The word strike is the word for pull back with a bow and shoot the arrow. He was saying, you've got arrows left in your quiver. I want you to shoot them into the ground. And so the Bible says that Joash... Grabbed three arrows, foom, 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 into the ground. The prophet of God standing there watching. And when he was done, the prophet of God said something to him that made his knees shake. He said, it says in the Bible, that he was angry with him. This dying old prophet who had seen the power of God was angry with him and said this to him. You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will only have three victories and you will not totally get the job done. Now, what in the world was going on here with this little show and tell? What was God saying? Here's what he was saying. The zeal and intensity with which he shot the arrows was a thermometer of the level of his faith. The zeal and intensity with which he shot those arrows revealed the strength of his faith. Elisha was looking to see how moved he had been by the word that he gave him. Because remember what he told him. You're going to totally defeat the Syrians. Do you know what that meant to him? That would be like if we were told today that we had totally defeated terrorism forever. If God told us to do something and said, if you do it, terrorism will be completely wiped off the face of the earth and you will never have to deal with it again, that would be a heavy word, wouldn't it? That would be a heavy word as Israel is now in battle again with terrorism and the Middle East is exploding again. And at any given time, there could be a huge battle as we watch the Middle East, a continual boiling pot of trouble because God said... In the last days, Jerusalem is going to be the sore toe of the whole world. 
If God said, if you will do a certain thing, I'm going to totally give you the terrorist and you'll never deal with it again, would that move you? Would that excite you? If God then said, now grab some arrows out of your quiver and and based on the word I just gave you, shoot some into the ground. Man, most of us would be thunk, 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 thunk. But Joash shot three times and he stopped. What's going on here? Why was Elisha mad? Because Joash failed to take full advantage of the opportunity to, to respond to God with strong faith. God is moved by faith. God responds to faith. Now, how are we going to respond to the promises of God over our life this year? He did not shoot the arrows with gusto. I kind of see him standing there going, well, shoot him into the ground. What are you talking about, dude? Okay. Boom. Yeah, kind of. Boom. Three times. He said, okay, done. Elisha said, how sad. I just gave you a word of total victory and you didn't take advantage of it. It was a dull, lackluster response to a great and a shining promise. His faith was not moved. Now remember, he'd just been involved in the dramatic enactment of a stirring, moving prophecy. The greatest prophet on earth had told him that he was going to completely destroy his enemy. He had just heard Elisha make the connection between the arrows shot through the window and certain victory over Syria, yet his response was unenthusiastic faith. He was not moved by his faith. He shot three arrows and stopped, not understanding that the arrows represented victories over the Syrians. His faith wasn't moved. Now let me tell you something, church. In our nation right now, we're hearing all kinds of dire predictions about the finances, about the economy, about war, about terrorism. But there is a people of God in this nation that believe in God, walk with God, live by faith, worship the true and the living God, read the Bible every day, seek Him in prayer. And I'm telling you, there is a word coming to you and to me. And it is not of financial crisis. It is not of terrorism. It is not for us to be afraid and intimidated. But the word coming to us is, will you respond by faith to your God? For if you do, He will show you great and mighty things you have not yet known. The church will make an impact if we walk by faith. It's time for the church to rise up. I'm tired of spineless, milk-toast, lukewarm, mediocre, half-soaked Christianity calling itself the real thing. I want to see the church rise up and be the church. I want to see the church rise up with the name of Jesus on her lips, the sword of God in her hand, and bring a revival to this land. It's never over until God has had His say. And God's not done. You see, real faith, Bible faith, will manifest in action every single time. Bible faith moves you to action. James said, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. If we have faith, it will act. And it will act by prayer. It will act by worship. 
It will act by righteous living. It will act by witnessing. It will act by believing God to move mountains and pull up valleys and see us through the valley and through the fire out to the other side. It'll believe God for a victory when it doesn't look like there can be a victory. Faith will move you and I to act. And it should have moved Joash to act. But instead, three measly arrows when he had a quiver full. And the prophet said, you should have at least shot twice as many. Now let me make an application for you and me as 2009 approaches. First, we too have a word from God. Joash got a word from God, but we've got a word from God. You know what that word is? Have faith in God. Jesus said, have faith in God. Don't doubt God. Don't be skeptical about God, but exercise your faith toward God. He said, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. Jesus said that. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. Jesus said that. In another place, he said, be it unto you according to your faith, and that's my word to you. For 2009, when 2009 is over, you will have in your hand what you believed according to faith for and nothing else. It's time to pull out that bow and those arrows and shoot with all of our might and believe God for miracles. And what we believe God for, we will have. We will have it. Let me ask you, let me ask you a million dollar question. What can your faith reach for today? What can it believe for? What is in your heart by the Spirit of God? I believe in every child of God in this room, God has put something in your heart, something He wants you to believe for, something you have a desire for that is from Him, a vision, a dream, a purpose, something you want to come to pass. When you look out the window of faith, as Joash looked out the eastern window, what is God telling you to shoot for? I know what I'm going to shoot for. I've got it in my spirit. I'm believing God that we are going to impact this city. I'm believing God for thousands of people to be saved in 2009. I didn't say hundreds, I said thousands. I'm believing God For our church to double, at least in 2009. Easter, we're going to two services and not looking back. Be in prayer. We're going to grow. We're moving forward. I'm believing God. Faith without works is dead faith. No faith. No good faith. Faith without works is not Bible faith. If you have Bible faith, it will cause your feet to walk your hands to move, your mouth to talk, your life to change. It'll move you in a certain direction. If you have Bible faith, what do you want to believe God for in 2009? What is it that's in your heart? Can I encourage you? Go for it. Go for it. I see our little sister over here. She's going to have twins soon. Can I, can I ask you to stand up just for a second? She's going to have twins soon. Look there. Now, that's how I feel spiritually. Pregnant with a vision. That's how you ought to feel spiritually. Pregnant with a vision.
Thank you. You can be seated. She didn't know I was going to do that, and I hope she's not offended. But, you know, God wants us to have a vision. Without a vision, the people perish. Without a God-given goal, where are you going to go? You're just spinning your wheels. God is a God who gives dreams to his people. He gives visions to his children. He gives you a goal to shoot for, a dream to live for. He's got a design and a purpose for you. You are not the result of evolution. You have been custom designed by the living God to fulfill a plan in this life and then go to glory. And what you do in this life stores up treasures for you in the next life. I'm not thinking about my next paycheck. I'm thinking about when Jesus says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. But I see even more in this story if you stop and think about it. Elisha clearly asked Joash to do something that resembles prayer. Just like prayer, shooting the arrows required effort and aim. We also are to be specific in what we ask God for. Shooting the arrows required instruction and help from the prophet of God. We also need the mind of Christ. Every time we have staff meeting, we pray, Lord, give us the mind of Christ. We're not here to do our thing. We're here to do your thing. Shooting the arrows had to be done through an open window. And we also are to shoot our arrows through the doors of opportunity God points us toward. Shooting the arrows required confidence. Confidence. Joash was ineffective because it was not repeated enough, and that showed that he was not confident in the Word of God. Shooting the arrows had its strategic moment, just like prayer. And when that moment passed, it was gone. He couldn't say, I'm sorry, Elisha, I should have shot five or six. Let me try again. No, no, the the time was gone. The Bible says, be careful how you live. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. When God gives you an opportunity, an open door, a a, a purpose and a vision and a dream in your heart, grab hold of it right then and there because the opportunity will walk down the street and knock on someone else's door if you don't take it. Failing to shoot the arrows hurt others, not just Joash. When we fail to act in faith, many others that were targeted for blessing lose out. You know, I believe that somebody is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Somebody is waiting on the other side of this church's obedience. There are marriages that are going to be saved, souls that are going to be won to Jesus Christ. There are satanic assignments that are going to be canceled. Because this church rises to its call. And I can't rise to it alone. You've got to rise to it with me. And if we rise to it together, Satan is going to be frustrated. His plans are going to be confused. He is going to be defeated in his attempt to destroy somebody's life. Some drug addict is going to get set free. Some prostitute is going to come home. Somebody who's about to give up and commit suicide is going to find life. Somebody's waiting on the other side of your obedience. That's why the Bible says the man of God was angry with him because Joash did not seize the strategic moment. Israel would now enjoy only three victories over the Syrian army instead of the many more they would have enjoyed. And I checked on this. Do you know that later Israel went into a battle with not the Syrians but the Assyrians? And because they were still having to battle a portion of the Syrian army that was not wiped out in those three attacks... It weakened them against the Assyrian army, and they lost the battle. 
One commentator wrote, he should have continued smiting till the prophet said, that's enough. You can stop now. Now here's another application I see today. There are many situations in which we must keep shooting the arrows in perseverance, refusing to be content with second best. We're going to have to practice perseverance, saints. And that's exactly what Elisha wanted Joash to do. Keep shooting. Keep shooting those arrows. Keep shooting those arrows. Listen, we live in dark days, and they're getting darker. And they require our uttermost for his uppermost. And God's looking for people who say, you know what? My faith doesn't quit based on what I see. My faith depends on God's word to me, not circumstances. I'm not going to give up because circumstances don't agree with what I'm believing God for. I'm going to say that again. I'm not going to give up based on what circumstances say to me because I walk by faith and not by sight. And that's not empty religious talk. That's the reality of faith. Faith is not moved by circumstances because faith is looking at something else. Faith is based on the promises of God, not circumstances. Faith doesn't look at circumstances and say, oh no, it must not have been real. Faith looks at things dark and getting darker and says, well, something's about to happen because God gave me a word. Sometimes nothing happening is the surest sign that something is happening. God's moving behind the scenes in ways that you cannot see or know. And faith says, I believe God based on the promises of God, and that's what I stand on, and that's what I live by. So therefore, in our day, we, the church that loves the Lord, we've got to keep on shooting in the battle against sin. We've got to keep shooting in the attainment of spiritual maturity. We've got to keep shooting in the attainment of stronger faith. We've got to keep shooting in the advancement of the kingdom of God. We've got to keep shooting in the attainment of God's will for our lives. Keep shooting in the face of persecutions and a weakening Western Christianity. Keep shooting our prayers toward heaven till the desired breakthroughs come through for us. Keep shooting because the world, the flesh, and the devil will never stop their shooting. Now either we're going to lay down and die or stand up with the banner of Jesus over our heads and keep shooting until the devil is defeated and we've got our breakthrough. Faith that fizzles at the finish was faulty at the first. Luke 18, 1 says, one day Jesus told his his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Keep shooting. Always pray, never give up. Now I see a last application here. When God invites us to take something by faith, when he says, shoot those arrows, when he says, there's your target, I've given you that. When God invites us, we've got to receive it boldly exuberantly, excitedly, and say with Mary, be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me. Can you say with me today, be it unto me according to the word of God. 
See, only Joash's lack of faith manifested in his half-hearted smiting the ground only three times prevented his destroying the Syrians utterly. And it was unto him according to his faith. He had faith, three arrows. In reality, he got three victories. Be it unto you according to your faith. In 2009, be it unto you according to your faith. What are you going to believe God for? That is exactly what will come your way. Amen. Little did Joash understand that life and death depended on how many arrows he shot to the ground. When King Joash had the opportunity to shoot the arrows, it probably seemed to him to be silly, a little bit funny. Why should I shoot arrows into the ground, Elisha? But the wise old prophet knew how his faith has been moved will manifest itself in how he handles these arrows. How your faith has been moved will be revealed in how you handle this Word and the Word of God. He did not perceive that God's plan for his entire nation and his small actions were spiritually connected. A whole forest lies in one acorn. Likewise, a world of possibilities rests in one act of faith or the lack thereof. You can make one decision for God and it changed your entire life. Or you can fail to make a decision for God and it changes your whole life and sets your life in a course and in a direction that is not stellar. Faith is honored by God. Charles Spurgeon wrote again, he said, I love this quote. I had to bring it to you. He said, it's a fact that God has purposed all things, both great and little. Neither will anything happen but according to his eternal purpose and decree. It's also a sure and certain fact that oftentimes events hang upon the choice of men. Their will has a singular potency. How this church responds to God this year makes a huge difference in what we're going to see take place. See, it matters what you say to yourself. Now I want to try to step into Joash's mind for just a minute. And I want to just give you some things that he may have said to himself that made him only shoot three arrows. Well, I stopped shooting because I didn't want to be presumptuous and ask for too much. Do you ever see Jesus anywhere in the Bible rebuking faith? Never. He's always rebuking lack of it. Here's another excuse he might have had. Well, I stopped shooting because I'm a very good, I'm not a very good archer. So I stopped shooting. I stopped shooting because Elisha didn't help me more. I stopped shooting because I thought three was plenty. I stopped shooting because I didn't think it would do any good. I stopped shooting because I wasn't in a shooting mood. I didn't feel like it. I stopped shooting because I didn't want to look like a religious zealot. Whatever the reason was that hindered him from really responding in faith, we can't accept any of those excuses. God never rebukes you for faith. I know that many of you today are shooting the arrows of faith with all of your might, and that's great. But there are some of you here and some of you listening by radio who have decided to go down Joash's path. You used to be in church every time the doors opened. You were full of zeal. You were full of love. You were full of the power of God. You prayed every chance you got. You couldn't get enough of that Bible. 
You ran with the best of them. You were filled with excitement about what God was doing in your life. Every morning you woke up and said, good morning, Lord. And in the evening you went to bed and said, good night, Lord, I love you. And now you wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. You used to be bright and shining and witness to everything that moved. That was you. But something happened along the way. Something has happened along the way and taken the fire out of your soul and the first love out of your heart. And now you're just kind of showing up in church because it's something you feel like you ought to do. No, God doesn't want you moved by what you ought to do. He wants you moved by zeal and love and excitement and what God, the fire that God puts down in your bones. God wants you moved because you have been moved. He wants your heart Filled with fire and love for Him. This is not a religious undertaking. This is a walk of faith with a personality named Jesus who has called us to come to know Him more and more every single day of our life. This is a walk that is real every day. Not just Sunday, but every single day. He's Lord of Lords, King of Kings, first in my life. And I'm going on with Him. But that Joash spirit gets a hold of you. And before you know it now, it's mediocrity. It's lukewarmness. And God wants us delivered from that because he wants you to have an incredible experience of faith in 2009. Now I've got a question for you. Have you considered, if you have made Joash's decision, have you considered how much is at stake? What excuses are fueling your decision? Have you thought about it? Do you believe this is God's best for you? When Jesus returns, will you regret this decision to be lukewarm, mediocre, and just sort of go along to get along? Is that what God wants for you? No. God has an incredible call on your life. God has a purpose for you. He has a purpose for us. I see this church like the stone in David's sling. And there's a Goliath out there. And here we go. Jesus has got us in the sling. And we're saying, here are we, Lord, use us. And you know what? If we'll give our lives to him, he is going to sail us into the forehead of a giant. Kaploom! And that's what God wants for every single church to do. Live by faith and not by sight. And be instrumental in destroying the kingdom of Satan and exalting the kingdom of God. We've got a word from God. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. We've got a word from God, a word of hope. And I want to tell you, if you have taken Joe Asher's path, here's a word of hope for you. And I want to close with this. You can still pick up those arrows. You're still alive. You woke up the high road. All right, George Burns, they asked him when he was 97 years old, what's the most exciting thing that happens to you every day? He said, when I open my eyes. Well, you know what? Before I'm to that place where the most exciting thing that happens to me is I open my eyes. I want to do all I can for the glory of God and the kingdom of God. What about you? He's called you to make an impact. Let's stand together, can we? How many of you can say today, I needed this word, Pastor Jeff. I needed this. I needed this because I don't want to see you fade into mediocrity. I want to see you burn for God. 
I want to see you burn for the Lord. I want to see you do something strong for Jesus this year. I want our church to see something mighty take place. The Lord has witnessed to my heart that something strong is on the way. Sooner than later, for this church, God's got a strong plan for us. How many of you want to be a part of that? It's not because we're special. We're just yielded. That's all. Now, I want to pray for you this year. I want to pray for your 2009. If you need to be healed today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the care leaders to come down. I want our care leaders to come and line up right here. These are our small group leaders. And those of you that are here, I want you to line up. And we're going to pray for the sick, and we're going to pray for people who need to make a fresh commitment to God. You know, these folks pray for you all the time and believe God to bless your life. And they are just some, some of our care leaders are out of town, but these are some of the people who meet at least once a month in small homes all over the Metroplex. And I just felt impressed last night when I was praying over this service to let them stand here and pray for you. The Bible says if two or more of you agree together as touching anything on earth, it'll be done for, for you by the Father who is in heaven. Well, here's people who can agree with you. So I want us to take advantage now of this word. If you need to rededicate your life or give your life to Jesus for the first time, do it. If you need to be healed, come down and they're going to anoint you with oil. And we're going to believe God to bless you. And so let's worship right now, and I want you to feel free to come as we come to the end of this service. Let's believe God to touch us and to move today. In the name of the Lord.